Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week by Pistol, and it's been a very frustrating week, Pistol. Let us know how you went. <laughs> Just straight in. Yeah, that was a absolute horror week for myself. Um, I should say in week one, um, I did score, I can't even remember, it was 2-3-40-ish. Um, and this week I've put in a poultry 2-2-20, all because of Mark O'Connor, um, coming in and ruining my loopholing options <laughs> and forcing me to miss out on uh, Finlayson's 106 as well. So that was a, a little bit of a bummer and uh, something that, looking back on it, seemed like a harmless 50-50 deciding between O'Connor and Murphy has turned into a complete nightmare given Murphy played and O'Connor was a late out in round one and then I used him as a loophole this week and O'Connor's a late in, like a late, late in um, and ruined me again. So... Um, Thank you, Mark O'Connor. How about yourself, JB? <laughs> well, at least Murphy scored 80 and... Oh, wait, that's that's bad for you. Um, well, I went Murphy over O'Connor, so um, that's good, but it's just about the only thing I've done right over you thus far. I am trailing you, and I've put up 2272 this week with no Toby Green, which was a little upsetting. Uh, I'm ranked just outside 20K at about 21K, so... Um, it's a sad start for both the podcasters, and I don't know where Chizo is, but um, I don't even think he's in a position to chase you down at this point. <laughs> nah, he's 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 doing all right. We're all we're all just in the pack. I think it's it's very tight at the top. It's like fifty points um, is you know like five k difference or so. So I mean, depending on where you are, but it's all very tight. And the next couple of weeks will really separate everyone. But um, not too many concerns with my team at the moment. It is, as you said, a bit of a bummer having, you know, green out and Dangerfield last week and, you know, rider injury. It's, we've copped a little bit, but everyone's copping their own things. So it'll all even out, and I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, our teams will fire, JB. Yeah, you're right. It will definitely even out, and the trades are what put your head anyway. So if you're lagging behind it a little bit, trust me, the, the cream rises to the top pistol. So we'll jump straight into the round recap and the first game being Adelaide beating Richmond, uh, which was obviously the opposite to what happened in September last year. Uh, it was Rory Sloan who really got off the chain. Uh, they didn't tag him in this one and it's at Adelaide Oval, so two things that you don't want if you're uh, playing against Rory Sloan. 141 Supercoach points and, I mean, the best Crow will probably change from week to week, but with no Matt Crouch uh, for the most part of this one, it looked like uh, it looked like a great game for Sloan. <laughs> yeah, no, that Sloan now without Matt Crouch, we should say Matt Crouch um, did seem to get a hamstring injury. So um, yeah, Sloan without Crouch is looking like a very enticing option, um, even with um, Bryce Gibbs in the side, who also looks like a very strong option. Um, but you know, Sloan in wins has always averaged incredibly high, and Sloan in losses averages incredibly low. So it's about timing with uh, Rory Sloan and when you want to jump on. And he always presents a bargain at some stage in the year. So if you didn't start with him, um, obviously jumping on him at his peak price is probably not advisable. But um, you know the tag is coming, and when the tag comes, you'll get to pick him up for you know 100k cheaper. Yeah, and that, that average with the win and average with the loss has been evident already with an 89 against Essendon uh, without the tag and then a 141 against Richmond. So really shows his ups and downs and someone that you probably, you're right, can catch for a bit cheaper. Also has that uh, terrible buy as well. So 
Uh, one that we'll be looking at around that buy round to see if he's in considerations for a top 10 midfoot place. And like you said, Bryce Gibbs looks very enticing as well. 127, he's actually backed up a very good week from last week as well. And just a, a point of difference that if you started with, you're just really, really, really happy with the output so far. Yeah, 20 contested possessions for him as well. He's obviously um, getting pure mid-time. We're not talking any of that you know, half-back flank rubbish that was being uh, floated around in the preseason. Um, he's straight in the guts, and he looks like he's going to be a really unique and really solid pick. It's just that round 14 buy is such a killer, um, especially in the midfield. So you can jump on if you want. I think you'll be at least rewarded, but uh, maybe come round 14, you, you might be uh, feeling the pinch a little bit. Yeah, exactly right. And as we know, we're already uh, flinching at that round 14 buy, considering some of our superstars are in it. Rory Laird being one of those with 120 supercoach, nothing to see here. Sam Jacobs, a very uh, good early replacement option. Obviously, he's, he's come out as such uh, for Paddy Ryder, who's injured. But again, with that terrible buy, we just don't know how that will actually catch up to everyone. 116 being a great start, though. And then we go down to Tom Duday and 115 supercoach points. He's come out of the blocks, 25 disposals. For someone uh, in a not a lockdown role, but that that role that sort of just doesn't—he's pretty much in between lockdown, lockdown, and in that floating marker. Just a great score from someone that we expect maybe around that seventy mark. Yeah, and I mean it's fantastic because we can feel confident in playing um, a rookie this year in the back line as well, and you know the forward line at the moment has been a little bit of a mess with the rookies and which one to play every week. So it's nice having um, Dude just being able to be locking him on the field and not really having to worry about his score and, you know, everyone else is going to do it as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's just nice having one of those players, JB. Yeah, exactly. Lock, locked and loaded. And we'll talk about what happens if you missed out on him later on in the podcast. Lachlan Murphy, another one that if you've missed out on, it might need to be discussed. 80 points, two goals, two uh, was very, very good. And with Matt Crouch going out and even David McKay getting an injury, looks like he's set for another decent couple of games in the side at least. So it should make us some early money. And then we go down to Matt Crouch, who we will discuss later on, but a hamstring injury, 51 super coach points, not what the players who chose him were looking for. But alternatively in this game, Dustin Martin, 160 super coach points. If you didn't start without him, Pistol, you've got a bit of a headache right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. We talked about it so much in the preseason. The first 10 games, Richmond play like eight bottom teams. This is one of the top teams, and he pumped out the 160. He's going to absolutely annihilate it for the first 10 weeks. Like, if you don't have him, you're going to find it very, very, very difficult to even be able to get him now. Um, so I just say good luck to you. Yeah, and maybe Matt Crouch going out might offer up an avenue to some, but it's looking very, very, very dubious for those who didn't start Dustin Martin. He had three frees against and none four, which is actually a little bit strange, but five goals just pumped that score right up. So very good. Toby Nankivis, another replacement for Sam Jacobs, another player who shares his buy. 108, uh, good signs from him, exactly what you'd be hoping for if you traded him in. And then Josh Caddy, a bit of a point of difference, someone that had a great JLT, again, pistol, just the 84 points, and that's two subpar games he's put out. Josh Caddy fans, not too happy to start off with. well he also copped a week so um they're probably going to be pretty disappointed and he'll uh, be required to be 
uh, traded this week, so uh, we can talk about replacement options again at the end of the podcast. What did you think, JB, of Alex Rance's game? 99 points this week. Uh, last week he had 91, so he's done pretty well, but not like extremely well. But with the the lack of, I guess, top-tier defenders um, going around at the moment, do you see Alex Rance now as not just a top 10 Smokey, but maybe even a top 6 Smokey? Probably not a top 6. Well, I mean, he's definitely a Smokey because I'm saying probably not top 6, but he's obviously got the potential to go there. To me, he just he feels like if they're, if they're winning and doing well, he might not score as well. And I expect them to blow... As strange as that sounds, he, he's a lockdown defender. So if the defense isn't seeing enough of the ball, he might not get those points that are required. He just seems susceptible to, to pumping out a, a few 70s, whereas our rebound defenders like Simpson, uh, Laird, and... Uh, it, well, Hurley's not a rebound defender, but he definitely gets more of the pill than... Alex Rance just seem like safer options. Your Elliot Yo's. Um, to me, Alex Rance will be someone that might entice me around his buy, but again, he just has that really bad buy. Yeah, no, it's it's tough talking about this in a game where both teams have around 14 buy. And JB, I know you were very hot on this person in the preseason, but he's uh, failed to perform. Kane Lambert, um, 472k as a forward, has put in two. <laughs> Just shocking. Let's just call it what it is. Shocking performances. Um, are owners in trouble here? Yeah, they are. And I don't know if I was too hot on Caleb. <laughs> um, 49 super coach points, 15 disposals, just didn't honestly look like getting near it. He did kick two behinds, so his score could have been a little higher if he had a finished on the scoreboard. But uh, sorry, he only he only kicked one behind. Sorry, he gave away two free kicks. One goal, one. Um, so his score might have even been inflated with the goal. Uh, someone that that isn't didn't stand out to me as an option in the preseason. I know, uh, I think it was Fantasy Freako was pumping out his averages with Jack Graham in the side, and they were um, of the hundred plus variety. But he just doesn't seem like that player that could go one hundred plus uh, in more than fifty percent of his games. And it's obviously evident that he's not going to go hundred plus in the first couple of rounds. <laughs> well, so look, JB, I, I'll, I'll say I was pretty hot on Kane Lambert, so I know I've thrown you under the bus, but. Um, Watching him play and also, you know, looking at the stats, he's one of the hardest working players, um, not just in the Richmond Tigers team, but per like kilometers that he runs per game is right up there at the top of the AFL. And he's running through the midfield. You know, we're talking nearly 100% midfield time. And he's just not getting the ball. Um, I don't know really how to explain that. Um, he's working really hard and just not getting any returns. And maybe uh, something will... F- will switch and you know he'll go on a run of of good games but yeah it's a bit disappointing seeing somebody getting the the opportunities in the midfield and just not taking full advantage of it so uh yeah for me i'd probably be looking to shift elsewhere um especially given his round 14 buy but maybe he couldn't be a smoky later in the season at a cheaper price after you know maybe a couple of hot games only four of his possessions of his 15 possessions were actually contested as well so um, maybe he's getting to play a, a kick behind the pack sort of thing, which doesn't really suit him. I guess we'll have to look a bit bit closer at what he's actually doing and why he's scoring so poorly, but it does look like a corrective trade for those who started him earlier on in the year because he will tank in price. Another player that, that had a great... Well, not another player. Uh, I should correct that because Kit Lambert didn't have a great week last week. Graham had a great week last week and he scored 100, followed that up with a 38 of just nine disposals. Not what... 
Graham owners are looking for, and I think it's a sigh of relief for everyone who didn't start him, because if he pulled out back-to-back tons, we'd be scrambling to get him in. Yeah, 61% game um, time on ground is also low. Um, he just didn't really do much with the ball when he got it, and you know he didn't get his 10 tackles, he got 6. So, as you said, good news, because if he pumped out 100, everyone will be scrambling uh, to try and get him in, and he's at an awkward price, so we probably wouldn't be able to. So, um, yeah, thanks thanks for that, Jack Graham. And uh, maybe it's time to move on to the next game. What do you reckon, JB? Definitely. So North Melbourne versus St Kilda, and a very disappointing out, outing for Saints fans who who copped a bit of a spanking <laughs> in this one by fifty. We'll move. We'll go straight. Uh, we'll go straight to North Melbourne to start off with. I'm getting a bit tongue-tied early on here, Pistol. I think it's because I'm too excited to talk about Sean Higgins. Oh, no. 120 Supergoat points. <laughs> you, look, you don't need to donate to uh, the charity this week because he did eclipse the 100 Supercoach mark, but he didn't just eclipse it. He absolutely smashed it. He was... He's a lock. You've got to get him in. <laughs> oh, God. No, please don't get him in. He, he also conceded three free kicks and kicked zero goals too. He could have gone absolutely Oof. massive, JB. Ah. Uh. I think I think when he does those things, conceding the free kicks, kicking behinds, that's actually just letting other players get some scaling. Because <laughs> if he scored 200 every week, then we'd have no one from North Melbourne averaging 100. And we know he's a team player. Um, so he, he may not be that replacement for your rucks that you're looking for. I know he's eligible for four positions, but Todd Goldstein might have been that ruck replacement. <laughs> 123 super coach points. I like that le- uh, segue there. <laughs> pistol um, Goldstein 16 disposals 38 hit outs didn't get on the scoreboard which is actually rare for him because he does tend to float forward a little bit 123 super coach points and he looks like a great option uh, if you're considering him for a replacement for Ryder or now even Cruiser yeah I mean look Todd Goldstein's scoring potential has never been questioned by anybody it's always been will Proust come in will Proust come in will he come in every week um you kind of have to be on edge if you if you're willing to risk it um i think the risk is quite low but obviously others think that there is a very good chance that Proust comes in towards the latter end of the year um that's probably a future use problem and you can just jump on goldstein now and he's scoring unbelievably well i mean his quality of opponents have i mean wits is a good ruckman but the conditions suited and this week you know billy long copped an injury and um pretty much wasn't worthwhile you know even being out in the field after he came back on anyway um so yeah todd goldstein if you if you need a ruckman i'd, I'd be jumping on him yeah definitely it looks like a great option uh it was a bit of a bounce back game from davies uniac who didn't start too well 77 super coach points is a good outing i just can't see north melbourne blowing too many teams out by 50 plus pistol do you think that that helped in his high score or do you think he's actually going to turn it around and and put together a good season. Look, he's got potential. I just think that there's going to be a really slow burning cash cow. It's not going to be one of those ones that race off and make you 100k in, you know, 3 weeks or so. He's just going to be a slow burn. You know he's going to play like every game for North Melbourne because they just need the players. Um I don't think he's a bad player at all. I probably would still prefer him um over Dow like we we said earlier and you know if you if you got him for Brody last minute I don't think you'd be disappointed either. It's just you stick him on your bench. You don't play him on your field, and you just wait it out, basically. Yeah, definitely. We'll jump into St Kilda side now, and Shane Savage showing he's got uh, he's got some of that consistency that people assumed he would be lacking with a 97 backing up last week's 92. So he's had a good start to the season. 
I don't think many players were expecting his JLT form to carry over, but for those who were, maybe a little disappointed. But this is a good start for a defender. Yeah, this is you know fantastic signs. Um, I wish he didn't have this buy, but you know the round fourteen buy, um, it's back again. But yeah, Savage is playing really well. He's living up to his JLT hype, and I don't see any reason why this won't continue. However, this game in particular was a really good game for you know Saints defenders you had Webster scoring 106 Geary 128 Carlisle's um, you know 105 just yeah you, you've got all these uh, I guess defenders scoring well so I take from it what you will I'm not really sure Saints are going to get pumped every week by 50 but after losing North Melbourne by 50 I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that because it's possible <laughs> it was by 100 to yeah. everyone else so yeah we'll, we'll wait and see but I think Savage That's an attack at St Kilda and North Melbourne <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm I'm sure the Saints are fans after losing to North by 50 points already uh, come to a swift realisation that you know their finals aspirations in 2018 may have come to a, a quick and sudden halt Jeez, you're uh, you're really laying down the law this podcast. You might have some angry Twitter followers after this one. So we'll jump on to the next player, Jack Billings, 79. Not too bad. 23 disposals, didn't hit the scoreboard like he usually does. I I mean, like we've said, the, the margin did blow out a lot. And Billings was forward for, I mean, a lot of the game like he was last week. So I'm not too concerned as a Billings owner, as long as St. Kilda become more of a competitive side, he'll score those 100 pluses. I'm not very concerned about that. Now, David Armitage showing that he also has the consistency that Savage has, scored 76 in this week after getting 79 last week. Is that good enough to carry him on in our teams, especially if people have missed out on on rookies even that are far lower priced? Yeah, I don't really think it is, JB. I mean, look... He's going to make you some money, but I don't think he'll be good enough. At 310k, he's now got a break-even of 27. So um, if he gets you another 75, I mean, he's probably going to make you 30k this week, and then the week after, maybe 10, 20. Look, I can see him getting to about maybe 400, but you're not really making that much money with Armitage, and he's not scoring that well. But at the same time, he's not scoring that badly, so it's not like you must remove him now. You could probably afford to give him a couple more weeks at least and just you know suck every ounce of money you can out of him. But it's a bit disappointing. If you missed a midfield rookie um, like Tim Kelly, then obviously you'd be making a switch, but at the moment it's probably worthwhile just at least holding him and, and seeing what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and he could grow as the season goes along anyway. So uh, not the sort of player I'd be pushing out the door, but if you have other options there, then definitely a player that you can take advantage of moving out. Um, Hunter Clark was the last one that was relevant in this one. 26 Supercoach points, 7 disposals, 80... Sorry, 66% time on ground, uh, Pistol. Do you know why that is? Are they just easing him in? Yeah, look, Hunter Clark... I'm going to say right now is probably, well, I mean, it's not that big of a call, but I doubt he plays next week. Um, I think given he was rotating in defense for parts of the game, they'll end up just bringing Caulfield, um, who was unlucky to miss out um, earlier, and he'll probably slot into that, you know, rotating defense role and and get his chance to shine because, yeah, Hunter Clark getting seven possessions in the entire game of football. Not good enough, JB. 20, yeah, 26 super coach points. Uh, I think the owners are going to be bitterly disappointed. But he'll be back. He'll get games throughout the year. It's just I'm not sure if you want to uh, you know, burn a trade on him now when you haven't really gained enough cash. Or maybe you might want to wait a little bit and see if he can 
get a couple more games and, and grow in that cash and downgrade him to someone like uh, Harry Wig or something a bit later in the season. Yeah, and another player that you could use uh, to go to a player that you might have missed out on for a similar price or, or lower, obviously. Uh, we'll move on to the next game, and this one was Carlton losing to Gold Coast. Another surprising result for me. Um, there were actually a few this round. We'll talk about Cade Simpson, the main man for Carlton. Uh, two weeks in a row, he's been the, probably the most super coach relevant player to come out of their games. 115 super coach and looked amazing again. He, I think it took him 20 minutes of the game to get off of uh, to get into the double digits in scoring, but once he hit it, he just went crazy and. Um, the coach even admitted after the game that a lot of players were fumbling the ball a lot. I think Simo was one of them. He didn't have his best game, but still came out with 115. Looks very, very um, likely that Kay Timpson goes 100 plus for the, probably the 50th season, Pistol. <laughs> like the 50th, but yes, you're right. Kay Simpson, <laughs> lock him in. Um, if you can get him in, I would be doing so quickly. Um, he, I can't see reasons as to why he won't now average 100. He's on every single kick out, and he, he just looks a completely safe, solid back pick, which is something that you always need. He's kindly priced 515k. Um, he's got a great buy as well in um, you know round 12. So yeah, there's, everything's pointing to getting Kate Simpson sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. And Paddy Cripps in this one, 115 Supercoach points, 24 disposals, only four of which weren't contested. Now, he kicked one goal too, so he had more room to score well. But how sustainable are these contested disposals? And the fact that he went at 58% uh, efficiency, is that a sign of how he's going to do throughout the season? I think he had average consistency last year, uh, last week as well. Or is that something that he can grow on and should we be looking to get him in? It's it's very difficult to judge with Cripsy. Well, yeah. I mean, we've never really seen a player average this many contested possessions uh, every single week, especially, you know, the contested possessions to uncontested ratio is completely off the charts for Crips, like, like no one we've seen before. And 58% disposal efficiency. I mean, what do you expect when the guy, every time he gets the ball in his hands, there's like five people around him, he's not going to really be hitting targets. Um, the five free kicks helped this week. It's a bit tough because if you get in the contested possessions, you're probably scoring well. Um, it's just, as I said, we haven't really seen somebody sustaining, you know, 20 plus contested possessions a game. If he can do that, he'll score well. Um, I find it unlikely that he's going to be able to do that, though, for an entire season. Just wear on the tear on the body must be enormous. Um, but he's a, you know, bull of a man. I'm really on the fence with Crips. If, I, if you don't have him, I wouldn't be moving heaven and earth to get him in, though. Um, I think that's the key thing is you could probably still wait and see. It's not like he's he's scoring well, but he's not scoring, like, incredibly, like, unbelievable. And there's comparable midfielders, maybe not at his price, but, you know, there, there's other ones around. So um, for me, if you don't have him, it's it's still a wait and see. But, you know, if, if he continues it up until his buy... Um, he might be a great pick because, you know, he's got the first buy in the round 12 and then you'll be able to use him in round 13 and 14. So um, someone that I've got, he's on my watch list, JB. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and someone that might not be on your watch list, Pistol, until you see what he's scored for the last two weeks. Charlie Kerno's put out another good score, scoring 96 of just the two goals. He, he was able to get 18 disposals, six marks and 12 contested possessions himself. So an unbelievable contested possession to, to uncontested possession rate. Is this something Charlie can keep up, or is he uh, too heavily dependent on scoring goals and Carlton being uh, competitive? 
It's a great question. I don't know the answer. I mean, at the end of last season, he had this type of scoring and he's continued it on in the first two weeks. Um, although, you know, he did kick five goals in the first week. He, to me, it's still a wait and see. I'd, I'd hate to waste a trade, you know, jumping onto him and then him after six weeks, you know, burning out and averaging 70. I feel like he would be that kind of last upgrade in my forward line, like the same. He's got a good buy, obviously, as well. So um, I'm not going to jump on just yet. But he's also now, uh, he, he's being watched. And it's not just by me, it's pretty much by everyone is watching Charlie Kerno. And he's just such an exciting player as well. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to have exciting players in your team that you get to watch on the telly. Speaking of excitement machines, Tom J. Lynch was able to put up eight goals and 180 supercoach points. Um, again, I ask, is this something that's a product of Gold Coast being competitive? I mean, they're 2-0 at the moment. Is this something that we could imagine would be drying up? It's very hard to judge these players. What are your thoughts on Tom Lynch? And 97% time on ground has to be in deal. <laughs> when you said exciting, I just assumed you were going to be talking about Jared Garlett next. But for some reason, we've gone to the player that kicked you know, eight goals rather than Jared Garlett. So I'm completely baffled. But um... Yeah, I'm not sure why I did that. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, Tom Lynch... Eight goals, uh, JB, it's definitely sustainable. What sort of question is that? It's going to kick eight every week. Um, no, I mean, he's a key forward. It's going to happen. He's going to have massive weeks. He's going to have low weeks. Um, I think this year trying to you know play for a bigger contract is probably going to have a few more bigger weeks than smaller ones, but you pay what you get with these big key forwards and you, you don't really want to get them after they kick a bag because you know they're just going to drop back down anyway. So um, we'll wait until he you know reaches earth again because it's so far in another stratosphere and then we'll be able to uh, afford him and you know maybe take a look after his round 10 bye yeah and holman was very good as expected we um we've had two good weeks from him in a row and if you're lucky enough to bench him two weeks in a row like me then <laughs> then you're very lucky <laughs> um jared witz could have been a sneaky uh replacement for patrick Ryder. however he does have that awkward buy as well so um, those suggesting him, I don't know if they've factored that in, but makes it very hard to trade him in at this point. Your boy Darcy McPherson, though, 78 supercoach points. He was looking like scoring more until he had a little bit of a drop-off. What are your thoughts on him, Pistol? Well, he had four frees against. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with um, Darcy McPherson, really. I mean, it's uh, you know, it hurts a little bit given Christensen, who's obviously the like-for-like alternative um, tunned up, so... I mean, D-Max obviously scored worse than that. Um, but he's had two really solid games. He's not someone I would jump on unless maybe you're looking for a Tom Bell replacement um, and you already had Christensen, then maybe um, D-Mac is, is next in line. But, you know, there's other players as well, a little bit more expensive that might be better. But um, I'm just happy he's doing well and is in that side. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely good to see. Um, and I was going to ask you a quick question because we just skipped over him. Paddy Dow, hold or fold? 46 uh, this week. Yeah, I think it's about the same as Hunter Clark and even David Armitage. If you've got the money there and you've missed out on someone else, then you'd be likely to get them out over, obviously, anyone else that, that is performing slightly better. But, I mean, two average scores now from Dow. He's probably someone that you're going to be looking to, to get out sooner than later anyway. So, I mean, unless you've missed someone, maybe hold, but it's not looking great. No. It's definitely not looking great. Let's let's jump into the next game, JB, because it's uh, got my boys, uh, the Collingwood Magpies, who put up a pretty good fight against um, GWS. 
You were happy with that that game? I mean, I was happy with how we performed given all the injuries, but <laughs> it was still, you know, it, it as as a any Collingwood supporter will uh, explain that's it is what it is now. You kind of just watch with this uh, hope that always fades, and you're just left feeling empty at the end of every match. <laughs> oh, damn, <laughs> that's not ideal. Um, Brody Grundy, 139 super coach points. Uh, I mean, we know this is what he's capable of without Cox in the team. My question to you, Pistol, is do we expect Cox to come straight back in given that performance? Yeah, I mean, you have to expect Cox to come back. Reed didn't play. Moore got injured. He's done his hammy, and I think he's out now. I think, did they confirm it today? I think it was three to four weeks. So we don't have any, we don't have any keys across our entire field. Um, so we're in all sorts of trouble. I, I would not be surprised if uh, Myocek... Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, gets named this week because we, we're just completely uh, desperate down the spine. So, yeah, Cox will come straight back to that side, which is bad news for Grundy owners. But, yeah, they got a, a free, you know, massive score just because Cox missed this week. Yeah, that was due to that suspension as well. Jeremy Howe scoring 120-plus. He, he was someone that went way under the radar considering he didn't play much in the JLT but he's put together a 78 and a 121. It looks like he's going to go near that 100 average again. He could be a sneaky player to get into our sides. What do you think, Pistol? Yeah, I've said in the preseason, I always think Jeremy Howe is a top six defender. He just does his thing every week. He's barely in any teams every year. He's just unique, and he, he always finishes as a top defender. Um, so I don't see why this year would be... Sorry, excuse me, any different. Um, and Collingwood... Are going to be very average, so the ball's going to be in the back line a lot. But you were so good about against the Giants. You can't be very average now. <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, one win defined our season. Well, not even win, but one close contest <laughs> defined our season. I mean, I can understand why you take that as a win, but I mean, when you said <laughs> you massive spend win. so low. <laughs> it's a massive win. But tell me, I mean, before I start talking about it, Scott Pendlebury... Um, oh, that was my next question. <laughs> he's playing 100% mid-time. None of this backline rubbish. None of this, you know, forward line rubbish. He's just a pure midfielder. Um, you know, he scored 109 this week and he scored 100 last week. Um, is he a good pick for this season, JB? 30 disposals, 9 tackles, 11 contested disposals and things that we just see from Penelbury every year. I'm not sure if he's trustworthy because, I mean, as we saw, he sort of went inconsistent last year for no apparent reason, and everyone had them in their sides. But having a point of difference, Scott Pendlebury, is something that's very, very endearing to me. So um, he's the type of player that I'll definitely be watching closely, and he's very cheap at the moment. So if you've got a correction uh, trade like Matt Crouch to go out, Maybe he's someone that you can consider, but I don't think he's the safest pick, Pistol. Oh, well, that's because you're always uh, against my man Scott Pendlebury. I think is a great pick <laughs> at his price, especially. Um, I think he's in for a, another good super coach year. What about Trelaw? He, um, he did bounce back from what he was putting together last year. He was very average for most of this game and then sort of just turned it on with a couple of goals and pumped out that 108 score. What are your thoughts on him as a point of difference? Is he the type of player that you'd be looking to get into your side or is it a mistake you're going to let other people make? I mean, last year, um, I think he averaged sub 100 or very low 100. So, um, and the year prior, I averaged closer to 110. So I think this year we're going to get in between, we're going to get about 105. You just have to remember, given there's a certain number of points per 
game um, in total, you know, the 3,300 pie, Collingwood just don't have that many good super coach players. So the players that are good just get a really large share of this pie, and Trelaw is one of them. So he's, I doubt he's going to have any really bad weeks. Um, and the same goes for Pendlebury as well. It's just the players that get the ball in the Collingwood side, which, I mean, sounds funnily enough because if you get the ball, you score well. But Collingwood just don't have... <laughs> That many great players, JV, and the the ones that stand out a bit above the rest are always just going to score decently. <laughs> yeah, and when you consider not many great players, you don't generally consider a great Western Sydney who have too many great players, one would say. So Stephen Caniglia, 120 supercoach points. Um, if you didn't start with him, it's tough to get him in at the moment. But, I mean, again, I reference Matt Crouch as he's uh, the injured midfielder of the week. Is he someone that we should consider trading down to, considering not only his price, but he's averaging a lot of points right now? <laughs> he is. Um, another, yeah, 120 for Caniglio, 452k. If you missed him, I don't... It's just tough because it depends who you're trading. Like, I wouldn't trade a five to him, but I probably would trade um, if you had, like, a Hibbard down back and you got some DPP magic and you could bank 100k and get... Caniglio like that is something I would definitely do um, so it depends on the structure of your team but he is someone that is um, yeah he's, he's a really good price he's scoring unbelievably well and I expect expect it to continue at least while this great GWS draw um, keeps on coming yeah and he started like a house on fire with that just the three tackles as well he usually hovers around the six plus mark so yeah, obviously he did kick a few goals which pumped up that that um that big score uh but we'll move on to tim taranto um forward eligible this year pistol and it's hard not to talk about a man who's gone back-to-back tons at a very discounted price is he someone that we should be looking at he got 23 disposals eight tackles and actually looked very very good yeah he's he's at 365k um which is a nice price he's now got a break even of two so I mean, if he tons up again, he's probably going up roughly 50k as well. And, I mean, you could kind of use him as a cash cow, but I think people may have picked like a Taverner or something and they, they have a limited amount of money and they're trying to find some sort of correction trade. If you missed a rookie, obviously I'd take a rookie, but he's looking like a solid player. Maybe he's not going to be a forward keeper, but um, certainly if you if he's available in your draft league, I'd, I'd be snapping up right now. Um, but yeah, one to watch. I mean... I expect him to score well over the first, you know, six weeks or so, and um, we'll we'll just see how he goes over the rest of the year. I, I doubt he's going to end up in the top six to ten forwards anyway, but he's he's a nice one to to look at and watch. You know, second year player. Maybe next year will be the year that we all start him. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about Heathshaw a little bit later when we discuss uh, Hibbert and his potential replacement options if we choose to do so. But 110 is very, very good for those who started him. He started very well. Josh Kelly, 108 is... Uh, well, you'd expect 110 plus, but I don't think too many will complain about 108 after last week. The the big surprise packet out of this game was Finlayson. So 106 super coach points. He had 23 disposals, 6 marks, 2 tackles, and, and just was everywhere. He was actually all over that back line. He's taking a lot of kick-ins and he's doing a lot of things right and that's back-to-back good scores. He's almost averaging 100 as a 123k player. How good is Finlayson? Look, it just hurts knowing I couldn't get his score this week because O'Connor's <laughs> late in. Oh, then. no. He had 21 <laughs> kicks 
Um, obviously, the players that kick it more generally score better, especially defenders who use it well, which Finlayson does. Um, yeah, just really hurts having on the bench, JB. Let's just just move on. I'm still not over it. Okay, well, we'll move on all the way to the next game, which is Brisbane versus Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne took this one by 26 points, so a good result for them after last week's close, close loss. And it was Dane Zorko bouncing back this week, 105. I think Melbourne started the tag on him, but that might have drifted off as the game went along. So 105, a good result for those who started him, considering last week's effort. But you'd definitely be expecting those 110 pluses to come out soon, otherwise it may be a bit of a wasted primo pick. Yeah, I mean, you know what you get with Zorko. I think everyone predicted him to bounce back um, and score 100 this week. He was playing in the midfield last week and just couldn't get near the ball. And um, Zorko does what he, he does and scores 100, and I imagine he will score 100 every time he's not tagged. Uh, for the rest of the season, that that will be a once-off. Um, but I think the big news from this game, JB, was Alan Christensen tunned up. Um, he scored 101, probably as the, I guess, most chosen uh, mid-priced forward um, at 267k. Uh, you'd be pretty happy with him at the moment, wouldn't you? Yeah, very happy. Uh, he didn't obviously put out a great innings last week, but backing it up with a 101 in conditions more suited to his play style is very, very good, uh, something that you'd you'd obviously bank and hope that the first week just jumps out of his price rise and he does the same next week. And all of a sudden you're looking at a cow that will get very, very fat before you have to jump off, if you even do. I mean, some lucky people I'm sure will end up with him at F7. So um, great, great score from Christensen and, and probably more than what people expected. Someone that will not have to be rage traded out this week now pistol yeah that's exactly right but someone who might need to be rage traded out dane peems with another average score he only scored 59 this week is this a case of brisbane uh, just not that great side to have super coach assets from yeah and it's appearing that way dane beams is one of my favorite players someone that i expect to be averaging around that 120 when he's playing but a 69 followed up with a 59 it's honestly just incredible. I'm not actually sure where it's coming from, and I assume it'll still turn around quickly, but if you started him as a point of difference, very bad luck. If you didn't start him, his break-even is astronomical, so uh, it's something that we could be looking at. He's got a 200 break-even pistol, and he's only uh, well cheap, so he's only 550k at the, as it is. So um, someone we could be looking to jump on. Uh, rather than jump off. But if you started him, very bad luck. But I, I, I don't know. I'd still give a bit of time to him. I think he's earned that. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it was something to do with Steph Martin. He only scored 63. Although he had 35 hitouts, it's obviously incredibly tough to ruck against Max Gorn. Um, <sighs> your hitouts to advantage, you know, maybe he couldn't get as much of, you know, first touch of the ball as uh, he would um, in other games. Maybe that's something to do with it because, yeah, uh, Steph Martin got destroyed by Gorn, we'll, we'll put it politely. Only nine touches when, you know, he averages like 18 usually and um, didn't get the job done with only uh, 63 points. I kept refreshing my Twitter to see if this dude was injured because he was stuck on 25 for ages and he was stuck on 50 for ages and it was just very disheartening after we spoke him up so much during the week. I traded him in for Ryder and he was the worst option of any replacement. So... Pretty upsetting. I, I did cry that day <laughs> quite a lot. So um, we'll move on to the Melbourne team. And it was Clayton Oliver, 146, the man that I spoke about but didn't select in my team, 
what a great start from Clayton Oliver. And I think he's proven that A, he has the ceiling and B, he's not going to have those third year blues that should have come in the second year. He's a very good pick. Yeah, that's that's it. He's got a good buy as well. I mean, if I didn't have, I mean, look, if, if you don't have um, the, the Titch, the Danger, the um, Dusty, you know, those, those type of plays, it's probably Clayton Oliver next uh, along with Kelly. You've got um, them as the really solid, I'm sure they're going to go, you know, 115 plus type picks. Um, he's right at the, the top echelon of super coach players now, JB. And um, I think by the end of the year, Clayton Oliver is going to be in everyone's midfield. Yeah. And um, honestly, he will be a top four midfielder, I think. So um, someone will miss out of that big four of Titch, Danger, Dusty and, and Kelly. But I think Clayton will get in there because he, as long as demons keep doing well, which they've started well this season, he will score very big. He's probably one of the only midfielders that can actually go that 130-plus. So um, I'm expecting big things from Clayton. Um, another player that we're obviously all expecting big things from, Matt Scorn, 97, in a big ruck duel with Steph Martin, who we know isn't a slouch, even though he did get his colours lowered for the day. 97 is still a great score, and I think we can all be happy with that. Christian Matryarka, 85, still yet to turn up this year. Pistol, is this an issue? I mean, it's a big call. Um, I'd say he had four free kicks against. Um, he is still, you know, playing a bit more forward than he is midfield, but he's getting more midfield time than last year, so that's definitely a positive. I, I can see him scoring between this 85 and 95 range for most of the year. Um, it's just, is it good enough to be a top six defender? Probably, sorry, forward, probably not. Um, <laughs> he's probably a top six defender on that, though, he, he would let's be. be honest. But yeah, is it top <laughs> 10 maybe? So um, he's cheaper than other, you know, top six options and that might, you know, save you money and you can use it elsewhere and, you know, get stronger in other parts. But yeah, at the moment, I'm not, I'm not rearranging or rushing um, my trades to get Petrarca in. Yep, and Fritch was very good, and we will talk about Hibbard later on because I think a lot of people are getting itchy fingers on him early days. <laughs> the next game was Fremantle versus Essendon, and it was Fremantle taking the chocolates here. I think a lot of people were surprised by this. I was getting a lot of people message me saying, I mean, Essendon backing up their win against Crows with this, but Fremantle are a very underrated side. I know they lost to Port by, by quite a bit last week, but on their home deck, I don't think they'll get shown up by too many teams this year. So um, this result didn't shock me too much. And it was five coming out with 120. Walters 116. It just everything went right for these guys. Lockie Neal, only 96 is probably the concerning one. Is he sort of taking a backward step considering now five Walters, uh, Blakely even a... a flooding this midfield with talent <laughs> um monday as well was unreal i mean yeah and you've got these kids you know the brayshaws and the sarahs like all these players are, are good um look I, I don't think it's too concerning he still scored you know a 96 and a 99 in his two games so um neil will probably be right well you'd have to look if, if you have him and you're worried about him i'd say at least hold him until his buy the round 14 buy if he's still only averaging you know 100 flat and not that 110 mark then get rid of him at the buy to someone that's going you know 110 that you missed out on um obviously ones that don't have the round 14 buy because that would be silly you know trading someone from uh, round 12 or 13 buy um but yeah i, I wouldn't be rushing the trade out locking neil anyway it's just a two game sample size i'm sure in the next you know 
six to eight weeks, he'll, he'll um, score very well. I mean, he's still getting the ball as well, you know, 30 touches a game. So, yeah, just just hold hold your, your trigger fingers on, on Lockie Neal. <laughs> yeah, definitely hold the trigger finger. I think it would be a good point of difference to have for a lot of weeks. Um, and then we, as you said earlier, Banfield, Bray, Brayshaw and Sarah... I think that's how you pronounce it. Sarah, I have no idea. <laughs> well, we'll go with Adam. Um, but all three scored well without without lighting the world on fire. All three look like good bench options. Hopefully, Brayshaw puts together a good couple of games when they've got easier opposition. But at the at the end of the day, I mean, if he's hopefully he can get up to that seventy plus, but he's going to be a good cash cow regardless. Devin Smith, one hundred and eleven super coach points, exactly what we hope to see. I think the thirteen tackles is probably the most surprising for me, Pistol. I, didn't think he had that in him. <laughs> he actually in round one they said had the most amount of it wasn't it wasn't pressure points but it was pressure no sorry it was pressure points not pressure acts. Um, he pressure points so like Chris Judd. <laughs> yeah, he, he had the most Chris Judds uh, in the <laughs> in the first <laughs> That's round. That's a good comparison for him. <laughs> he, he had over a hundred um, pressure points and <laughs> he just ran all day. Um, having defensive access. So 13 tackles to me is no surprise. And the 111 super coach points is bound to come when you've got this guy um, tackling like a machine and getting a lot of mid-time. And he's only going to get more and more mid-time as well. I think he came out um, later in the week saying he's gearing up to play more um, midfield time as the season progresses as well. So that's really exciting. I think it's uh, when Fantasia comes back, um, he'll won't have to play as much much uh, forward time. And uh, this will be... Really good for Dev Smith owners. I think uh, we've we've nailed this pick here, JB. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think he's definitely a, a great selection and someone that will be likely to be a top six forward. I think because I mean, if you're putting out those those tons most week, I know he had ninety last week, but if you're putting out these tons, then you're in very good stead. So Michael Hurley showing his consistency with a hundred on the dot again. Um, he's just going to be that player all year. He's going to score hundreds. He's going to score nineties. He might put out a couple of eighties, but um, just a very, very good selection, and we'll be looking to upgrade him as soon as po- upgrade to him as soon as possible. Zach Merritt came back with a 95. I think this is good news for those who don't have him. Uh, having scored averagely last week, obviously due to that concussion, then a 95 this week. He's looking like he's going to drop in price early. Hopefully, we can get generate the cash to jump on. Pistol. Yeah, I mean, if you're not phased by the head knock, he's probably going to drop uh, 70k in the next couple of weeks at least. Um, and he'll be a good value pick. Um, obviously, we know his post- potential is, you know, 110 um, averaging midfielder with a good buy. Um, he's someone that I'm very high on, as usual. We've got the Zach Merritt and Lockie Neal debate. Um, <laughs> this week, can you believe it? Lockie Neal outscored Merritt by one point, so that was a bit of a... Standard. Yeah, let's call it that. Um, it was a bit disappointing <laughs> on, on my end, but I'm looking forward to trying to get Zach Merritt into my team, hopefully sooner rather than later, so I can take advantage of his cheaper price. All right, Pistol. If you thought that I couldn't contain myself earlier when it came to Higgins, I think I might have an announcement, and that's that there is a new Higgins in the world for me. That's I've, I've written to him already. A few stand letters have gone out. He's obviously my most my favorite player, and I've I've followed him for his whole career. I mean, since he's a juniors, obviously, because he's in my team now. And that's Toby McLean. Oh, no, Western Bulldogs lost to West Coast Eagles. Toby McLean still put out a huge score: one twenty-five, thirty-one touches, five tackles. Liver going down has helped. He didn't even hit the scoreboard, which we know he's capable of. 
Talk to me, Pistol. You've made a mistake getting Cicilina over McLean. It's obvious. Let's just hear that apology and, and move on, I think. <laughs> so not an apology. Um, I still think Cicely will be a good pick. And I, I thought um, McLean would average 95, as said in the, the preseason. He was oh, just my next gosh. pick forward that I couldn't fit in. I know you did. Um, but well done. No you know, It's uh, credit where credit's due. For anyone that picked McLean, um, he's come out looking amazing. Libba going down has obviously helped him. Um, we'll see... I assume Wallace is going to come back in because he's had 30 touches and kicked four goals in the VFL. So um, Wallace will be in next week. I imagine Redpath as well will be back in. So um, we'll see how McLean goes. If he's playing that same liver role uh, next week, then he's just got to come into your team like ASAP. Um, he's also got I think the, the round 13, sorry, round 12, um, incredible buy. Um, yeah, there's there's no downside. I'm try- I can't even think of a but. It's just, he is very good. <laughs> well, Higgins 2.0, you've you've done me no wrong thus far, and I doubt you will do me wrong ever. So, I mean, I doubt he will leave my side for the next decade. And uh, let's just move <laughs> on. So, Chuck McRae, 142 Supercoach points. Looks like a very, very good point of difference. Um, and if you opted for him over his teammate, Bontepelli, who a lot of people jumped on with that preseason form, You'd be a very, very happy camper right now, Pistol. Yeah, he's looked unreal. I mean, he's getting heaps of the ball. The thing that, that's different than last year is he's kicking goals. Like, last year, he barely kicked any goals. And this year, um, he's already, you know, put he put back three this week and, and followed on from two last week. So, um, he's just scoring incredibly well. And he's also a sneaky top eight forward Um Sorry, eight forward. A midfielder pick this year, JB. Um, I can see Jack <laughs> McRae scoring really well, and especially scoring this well in such heavy losses. Um, he's one that I think has gone very, very much under the radar. Yeah, definitely under the radar, and 142, you can't go wrong with that. His teammate, obviously, uh, Pelly, who was uh, good without being great, 102 points. You wouldn't be upset with that if you did start him. Now, someone that you'd be very upset with if you did start him, I saw him in a lot of people's teams, a lot of people's teams, Pistol, was the safety net of Dowhouse, who's done it previous times, a lot of times in the past, has just been at that top six reliable forward, 51 super coach points. Another player that we'd expect would go up with the, the Liberatore injury has actually gone down from his last week's performance. What are our thoughts? Look, in the preseason, thought something wasn't 100% right. He's still splitting that time between the midfield and the forward, but he's just not scoring well. And Bulldogs are being pumped every week. And if you're you're playing 50% of your time in the forward line and you're getting pumped by 10 goals in the first two weeks of the season, um, it's not good signs. It's very worrying signs. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still worthwhile um, you know, using that, that itchy trade finger and getting rid of him, it might still be worthwhile just holding him for a little bit. But also, I wouldn't blame you if you've, you're you going to call it quits. If you think Bulldogs are going to be rubbish this year, then he might be the first one to make way out of your sides. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to be succeeding like the McRae's, McLean's, and even Bonzapelli's. Johannesson, as well, on another note, has actually been good in their losses. Um, so it's a bit strange that he's taken the other direction with it. He is, a, I mean, I don't want to call him a downhill skier, but he's obviously was very big in their premiership season and since then has really struggled to, to get back to that form. So, I mean, hopefully he figures it out, but might be your first corrective trade uh, going him to his teammate McLean. So um, that won't stuff with your buy structure. Obviously, they're priced around the same mark. So 
Um, something to consider, I guess. But again, no one's gonna no one's gonna talk down to you for holding on to your premiums because we do advise to do that first if you think they're gonna pull it out. So um, we'll move on to West Coast now, um, unless you want to discuss Tim English's thirty three pistol. Oh, well, um, I did send a tweet saying beware of Tim English red path lurking next week. Um, and he didn't perform, and I would be very worried if he used a trade to get in English because he might be dropped um, next week, and if he's not dropped, it doesn't look like he's going to generate that much cash as well because he's a very tall tall player, and key, those key you know, position <laughs> players, they have their massive ups and downs and more downs than ups when you're a young, young rookie as well. So, um, yeah, just unfortunate if you used a trade to get him in, but if you, if you missed out, I wouldn't be rushing to get him in, that's for sure. <laughs> and I was talking to a friend who who traded him in to cover for that cruiser donor, and he was on uh, uh, Tim English was on negative one for honestly the most part of it. He was on negative one for more time than he wasn't on negative one this game. <laughs> it was amazing until that last quarter. I think he scored a good twenty odd points in the last quarter, but it was funny because you spend a trade to get a replacement in, and you almost lose a point for it. <laughs> it would have been amazing stuff. So. Um, yeah, no, they're lucky he pulled out the 33. So, um, yeah, definitely not someone that's on my radar at the moment. Um, Liam Ryan, 115 supercoach points and just absolutely amazing. Three goals, three. Could have had more supercoach points if he finished. A few of those were easy shots for him as well, considering the class that he has. And, I mean, I benched him for Venables <laughs> Pistol, so why don't you talk about him? Yeah, Liam Ryan, look, we, we knew he had this goal-kicking quality and he's got this X-factor. He's a really exciting player, but in games that West Coast get pumped, he's just not going to score well. In games they win by 10 goals, he is going to score well. So he's one of those guys that you're obviously going to play on your field um, if they have an easy opponent. Otherwise, just you know lock him on your bench and ride the wave and get all the quick cash that he can generate and then uh, jump off before it's too late. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be expecting consistent 70-plus point performances, but obviously, as we can see there, he's got them in him. So um, another player that actually went well for West Coast, and he's actually flying a bit under the radar, Elliot Yo. I think it's because people are expecting him to drop a bit in price, which if he keeps scoring the way he is, he will have a little bit of a dip. But 20 disposals, 7 marks, 7 tackles, he was definitely amongst it all day. And he's not playing too friendly of a role for him, but he seems to be scoring well anyway. Yeah, Elliot Yo has looked really good in his two games. And I think, as you said, people overestimated um, how badly he was going to perform in a role that you know wasn't coming off the back line. Um, but I don't know. It's, it feels... It, it, he's, he's a good scorer, um, but it just feels so wrong, you know, getting him when he's playing in a position that's not so stable I think he is the yo-yo for a reason um, I think he's going to have to drop at some stage and then I'll get him but at the same time if you know 10 weeks go by and we still didn't have him in our teams and he still hasn't dropped then you know we've made a massive mistake so I think uh, if you're looking to upgrade someone to yo just gut call on this one when you want to do it um, you might want to get someone that's like really you know won't drop in price stable like a Hurley or you might want to jump on a yo and just ride the wave um, up to you but yeah at the end of the day uh, it's looking like he's going to be a top six option regardless. So he's going to have to come into our teams um, at some stage or another. Yeah, definitely. And someone has to score points on that team. The last player we'll talk about on the West Coast side of things, Nick Natanui, 56% time on ground and still pumped out the 85. It's looking very dubious for those who don't have him considering he's scoring so well off half a game. My question is, surely 
after they, I mean, they beat Western Bulldogs this week, which is brilliant for them. But if they take a few more losses, surely it's time to give them a rest. Is that is that what we're worrying about, or are we fine with it? Oh, I mean, look, I just can't see him playing 22 games this year, JB. I mean, he's getting 56% game time. He's still scoring so well, which is so worrying for those that don't have him because what's he going to do when he, he plays 70% game time? They're obviously going to keep building up that um, time on ground little by little, and he probably is going to keep scoring a little bit more. It's just towards the latter end of the year. I don't really see West Coast making finals as much as everyone else uh, thinks they're borderline. I think they might, you know, get get their uh, butts handed to them on a couple of occasions. And when that starts happening um, and there's a long flight to, to somewhere, um, it's probably, I'd say, likely that Nick Nat might get a rest or two towards the latter end of the year. But yeah, for now, if you need a Ruckman, he's not looking like the worst choice. And you just got to hope that, I mean, none of our Ruckman caught that sort of, not a rest, but injury. So maybe with Nick that's more of a logical call to think that he'd get a rest and obviously you're guessing more if others are getting injuries but there's every chance that he doesn't so his scoring potential is obviously very high considering and it's just got to be a judgment call so you've got to back your gut in um we'll jump into the what was match of the weekend i can't say match of the round considering today's efforts but um sydney swans versus port adelaide and it was port adelaide taking the chocolates in this one isaac heaney 110 super coach points and he sort of came from nowhere i didn't i didn't really notice him too much and he ended up with about 60 at half time and then almost got the ton uh before three quarter time so a good game from isaac and he's had back-to-back good weeks now yeah he, he was helped out by uh 18 contested possessions of his 22 touches i think there was a stage i think it was actually until like the last 10 minutes of the match every possession he had for the entire game was contested which is just ridiculous um and yeah, he's he's looking like a good pick. I mean, he's he's getting the ball. Hanbury seemed to cop and knock late. If Hanbury's going to miss um, any sort of time, you'd expect Heaney to at least get a bit more midfield rotations as well. So things are looking up for Heaney. Um, it was a bit worrying after quarter time when he was on five points. Um, hopefully, he doesn't have a four quarter, you know, quiet five point per quarter effort. Um, but as you said early in the podcast, cream rises to the top, and in the case of uh, Isaac Heaney, I think uh, he's just going to be a good scorer over the next couple of weeks. Um, even though for some people like me who didn't have him, I'm kind of rooting against him still, just because I know how many teams is in. Um, but you know, it is what it is, and I'll uh, I'll see how quickly I can get him into my team um, after you know round six or so. Yeah, very good from Heaney, and his teammates Parker and Franklin were great as well. Um, great without obviously being players that we need to get in this week, but if you did start them. Very, very good uh, for point of differences that they are. Jake Lloyd, however, had a bit of a down game, scoring 71 points. Is this uh, any reason to be concerned? He did have 20 disposals and went an uncharacteristic 65% disposal efficiency pistol. I mean, I don't think it was the game that really suited him. It was like wet weather football, even though it wasn't raining because the ground was so wet. Um, Lloyd started like a house on fire and then he kind of drifted out of the game. Um, I actually really like the look of Lloyd. Um, I think he's going to be a top eight defender for sure. Um, probably borderline top six. So he's someone I'm looking at getting into my team. Um, but yeah, just just a bad game. Tough opponent as well. Port look like they're going to be the real deal this year. So I'll just um, say that this is likely one of Lloyd's work, going to be one of his worst efforts for the entire season. Yeah, and Port Adelaide did look good. And I mean, on the other uh, side of things, Riley Bonner, 60, 76 points, helped out by a very late goal. 
Um, he also, I mean, this being the probably the most tightly contested games of his career. I know he played in that elimination final, but Sydney uh, versus Port just it felt like an arm wrestle all game. Like the whole entire match just felt like you were actually watching an arm wrestling championship. It was just uh, kick for kick and tackle for tackle. It was very, very hard. Bonner did well considering the circumstances and to come out with a 76 in this match, I think was very good for him. Um, so it just wasn't really a half-backman's game. There wasn't a lot of rebounding. It was more uh, sort of boot it to the next stoppage sort of thing. So, I mean, I don't think we'd, we should look too harshly on either player. Um, Robbie Gray, 111 Supercoach points, someone that we're probably going to look at as a, a really hot upgrade option once they've had their buy. But again, not many players on this side you can look too hard at considering that. A player that you've been looking at a little bit, Pistol. I'm sorry to throw you under the bus here, but Justin Westhoff <laughs> has started the year very well. What are your thoughts? Well, he just looks unreal at the moment. I mean, he's playing off the wing. Um, and then, you know, when Dixon is not in the ruck, Hoff goes in the ruck. And it was the same when Ryder was in the ruck, Hoff went in the ruck. But because of the inclusion of uh, Dougal Howard down back, it's just like Westhoff can do whatever the heck he likes. He's just running around, just getting the ball literally doing whatever he likes and he's scoring unbelievably well really liking what I'm seeing from the Hoff the problem is that early buy that round 10 buy um, if he didn't have that I think I would be taking the risk and jumping on him and, and hoping he would be a, a top 6 forward just because I'm absolutely loving the way he's playing at the moment um, but look I'll wait and I'll see how he's going up until that buy and if he's still absolutely dominating like he is and, and being given the freedom that he is, I will definitely be jumping on the Hoff and probably some of the other Port Adelaide players too in the forward line. Yeah, and Westhoff didn't even hit the scoreboard, which is uh, what's most confusing about his high score. So I think he'll, um, he'll do that quite a lot as well this year and someone that yeah could be a very sneaky point of difference like he was a few seasons ago when he averaged 100 plus as well so we'll move on to the last game of the round and that was Geelong versus Hawthorne probably was game of the round considering it's finished um, obviously Hawthorne taking this one by one point we'll start with Geelong and the quartet of Gary Ablett, Selwood and Dangerfield went 144, 140 and 130 respectively all three look like great selections I think Gary Ablett's the only one you can sort of put a question mark on considering his durability but if you started any of these three, happy days. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Mitch Duncan didn't play. Um, and, you know, this would have been a game that he probably also would have racked up the touches. And you could just tell that because there's another one to add to this uh, quartet, which is going to become like a quintet soon um, when, when Duncan's back. Tim Kelly, <laughs> 117, coming off 118 last week. This guy is a star, JB. He's an actual, like, you'd almost call him an A-grader midfielder. And he's only played two games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can you really say? 13 contested possessions, and that was fourth most behind any of the three that we've mentioned already. Hit the scoreboard as much as they did as well. Uh, four free kicks, four, and I'm, I can say a, a couple of those were holding the ball, so he's tackling hard. This guy is, was everywhere. I, <laughs> I posted in our group chat, a serious question to everyone, are there four or more Tim Kelly's on the field at one given time because I swear he'd pump it in the forward line and then he'd get pumped straight back out into defense in on the other wing as to which he pumped it in on and he'd be there marking it. So um, he has obviously great sense for where the ball's going to be and 117, you can't not field him at this stage and if he keeps this up, Pistol, could he be in our, 
in our teams for a long time. Is that uh, wishful thinking? Hoping he becomes some form of Michael Barlow? Well, I mean, look, the thing is, these, these players are, as great as they are, they're also, they become the turning points of your season because, you know, back in the day, if you had Michael Barlow in the year, we was averaging like 115. If you jumped off him after he made 400K, um, you were probably like really stoked that you could trade him to almost any midfielder you want but he just kept it up and then you're losing points because no one you trade him to was as good as him until he got um that that awful injury so this is going to be the case with tim kelly someone's going to jump off for a primo um in another position and be really happy and then kelly might just keep it up for the rest of the season there's no guarantee with these mature age rookies um there's, there's no reason that he should just suddenly drop off so let's see um how he goes with Duncan in the side I want to see how much midfield time he gets because at the moment he's getting plenty of midfield um opportunities but they haven't had their full strength midfield so um yeah I'm just really excited to see what happens when they've got a full healthy list um and see where they play Tim Kelly yeah, definitely. And uh, Gary Ablett Jr., it is interesting to note, got another 93% time on ground. So close to what he got last week. He's gotten back-to-back 90%. That's immense for someone who has all these, uh, in quotation mark, injury concerns and won't play 22. So, who, I mean, very good start for Gary, I think, at the Cats. So we'll move on to Hawthorne and a man who was, um, I mean, usually you start this with a guy that who was tagged and only got this and only got that. Tom Mitchell was tagged by Blitzarves and got 148 supercoach points, 40 disposals, 4 tackles, 2 goals, 23 contested possessions, 13 clearances, only went at 62% uh, efficiency and was just amazing. <laughs> How does he do it? Look, it's, it sounds strange saying there's a guy playing AFL averaging 47 possessions a game. <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, this is another 40-touch performance. Um yeah, we said last year, like, he averaged 36. You have to start him, but, like, how much better can he go? I mean, I guess we're seeing it right now. He can take his game to another level, and that's literally just by adding on more and more possessions. It wasn't using the ball better. Um, it, it's just getting more of it, which sounds ridiculous. But I think Hawthorne, they're looking a lot sharper than people expected. Um, and if that's the case, and they're going to be winning more games, watch out, because Tom Mitchell's going to increase his average again. He could end up being the high-scoring player this season. Yeah, and more kicks than handballs, which is good um, as long as he's hitting chess. But two goals, I think, is the best uh, news to come from that. Uh, just great stuff. Exactly what we want to see from Titch. And, um, I, I mean, I said it uh, earlier in the season. He was locked in from round one last year, and I don't think he will leave my side again until he decides to leave AFL. So um, just a stupidly consistent, Mr. original Mr. Consistent. <laughs> And uh, someone that we all should be having in our side. So, uh, two more players to discuss in this one. Jago and Mira being the first one, 63%, uh, 63 super coach. And a lot of people started with him, uh, Pistol. You and I were very confused about that, but maybe time to jump off. Oh, jeez, I love the again. Look, I, I must admit, four frees against is not usual. So, he scored a bit less um, than you'd think he, he will average for uh, throughout the rest of the season. I'm not sure it's time to jump off. He still is a cheap price, and he will make you money. Um, but if you missed one of the you know, gun rookies, obviously you've got to make the switch. But I'd just be holding holding firm with Jaeger and seeing how the Hawks go because they're looking better than, I guess, expected. And I think he, he's capable of putting together a couple of really solid super coach scoring games. And if he does that, um, he's just going to rocket in price. So you kind of just need to wait for that moment and, and trade him out around the buy time. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I know we've gone a little bit over over what we'd usually do for a podcast like this, but a lot of important things to discuss. And the next person that I discuss is very important considering if they get two or more weeks and you've just seen the incident yourself, Pistol, I uh, saw it live at the ground actually, but I think the replay is probably a little bit worse. Uh, James Sisley in real danger um, of getting some form of sanction after his action on Joel Selwood only scored the 61 super coach, was very good in that last quarter and actually only gave away one free kick even though um, he gave away a 50 as well. But just very concerning. If he if he misses those two weeks, it's hard to know what to do with him. Yeah, I, this is we're in a very sticky situation right now. I mean, I'd hold Sicily um, if there was obviously no suspension threat. Um, I mean, if he doesn't get weeks, I'm holding him anyway because I, I think this game it was just terrible. Frawley out, you know, this is just they're scrambling a little bit. Frawley's probably coming back soon and um, he'll be given a, a little bit more freedom. It, it was tough because he didn't get as many intercept possessions as um, I was expecting. But clearing, going back to what you said, if he cops weeks um, for the incident where he drops seemingly, I don't, we can't say it for sure, seemingly it looks like he <laughs> dropped his knees onto Selwood's head. Um, that's pretty bad. If he does get weeks for that, <sighs> depends how much money you've got in the bank because if you have enough to get a Heaney or a McLean, um, that might be a go. It might be a good trade. But if you can't afford those, there's no one really cheaper that I'd be eyeing off. Um Maybe you might downgrade it. It's a tough situation, and you know you can always hold as well. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, if if you have the money, then maybe you can get someone like Toby McLean. But yeah, it's just fingers crossed for all Sicily owners. He doesn't cop any weeks, and we don't even have to worry about this or even have this conversation, JB. <laughs> yeah, and that's something we'll uh, discuss obviously in the Thursday podcast when all that is released, which will be uh, tomorrow. So. You guys will have quite a few days to, to get ready what, what sort of action you'll be taking. Um, just quickly, uh, do you want to chat about... I know we've gone over our usual thing again here, and I apologize for people that don't like the longer podcasts, but do you want to just chat about our underperforming premiums such as uh, Hibbard, who... I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not one that implores trading out underperforming premiums, but underperforming premiums that have changed roles to what we expected. I mean, Hibbard just tends to be doing more of a lockdown role um, are those the sorts of players that we're looking at correcting to other premiums? I don't endorse trading down to mid-price mayhem, but if you've missed someone like Cade Simpson, for example, Michael Hurley, players that you um, regret not choosing for someone who is looking like he's going to play a lockdown role for a while, is that a sort of trade that you would implore, or are we saying hold no matter what? Look, it's not as much as he were playing more of a lockdown role. He's still running, but... It's more he's lost all of his uh, free kick duties. So, um, not free kick, I should say, kick out duties. Um, he's only had one kick out for the season so far, and he was pretty much had a monopoly on them last season. If you're losing, you know, those 10 or so kick outs per game, you're losing the opportunity of, you know, 10 to 20 points per game as well. Um, and that's really hurting his scoring. Um, the problem is, you can't really predict still who the top six defenders are going to be. So given that we don't have all the information, holding him is not, I don't think is going to be a bad decision. But if you're pretty antsy um, or you've you've missed somebody like Cade Simpson or Heath Shaw, I think they're the ones going around uh, at the moment um, as the most popular trading targets, 
if you missed them, then it might be worthwhile doing a Hibbert to um, a Simpson or a Shaw. I'm going to ask you on the spot, JB, if you had the choice between Shaw, who's significantly cheaper than Simo, um, which one would you get for Hibbert? Definitely Simpson. I mean, I know, like you said, one significantly cheaper, but I'm not really looking to save money on getting in a guaranteed premium top six option. Simpson has a way better buyer than Heath Shaw, uh, being that first one as opposed to that last one. And he just looks... I mean, I don't know about you, but I had Heath Shaw last year and Simpson feels a lot safer considering he's never actually gone into that lockdown role. He's always played the same role and been successful with it. Um, Heath Shaw obviously is very good at that lockdown role, which is why he's still susceptible to be uh, forced that way, um, which I think is doubtful this season considering their injuries, but still a possibility, which puts me off. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly how I feel. When you think Simo is going to go 100, um, yeah, if you have any doubts on, on Hibbard being you know a top 10 defender, if you don't think he's going to finish in the top 10, uh, then I would definitely be making the switch to Simpson. Usually wouldn't recommend trading the premiums, but in this case, without the kick-in duties and with Simpson getting a monopoly on the kick-in duties, it just seems uh, like a no-brainer for me in banking that banking that extra 50K. And the buy really does swing it for, for fa- in favor of Simpson and Shaw for me as well. Um, I want to ask you a question, JB. People who missed Riley Bonner, what should they be doing? Getting him, leaving him? What, what do you think? Well... I mean, you look at his score this week and you, you see a 76 and think, well, I mean, that's that's not ideal. There's no reason for me to quickly rush him in. But I think last week's score is more what he's going to do in big wins, whereas this game being, as we said earlier, bad for Lloyd, bad for Bonner, bad for anyone bouncing off that, that halfback flank, I think he's more he's going to score more of those 80-pluses rather than that, that 70s range, which he, he will probably score for games that are tightly contested or all games that Port lose. I think he's almost essential, uh, considering his price and the fact that he could uh, become a D7 or make you 300k, I think he could actually be very essential for our teams. And if I didn't start him, I guess it's difficult because it's very person by person, but if you started someone like, uh, for example, Paddy Dow or Hunter Clark or Armitage, you can definitely generate the money going one of those down to a rookie and, and getting a defensive rookie like Caulfield if you're still carrying him or, or even Aaron Norton who doesn't seem to be showing that score potential we did in the JLT you could be getting one of those up to Bonner and I think it'd be a great move the only way that I'd find it difficult to and probably advise not to is if you had um, Finlayson and uh, Duday on field and you'd be benching one of them in return for Bonner in which case I don't think it'd be worth it no that makes perfect sense obviously you can also do a Hibbard to a Bonner um, and just try and generate even more cash because I, I really think Bond is going to make you that 150k. And don't forget, because of that DPP that Finlayson has, you are able to trade if you had you know 50, 60k in the bank a Paddy Dow directly to Riley Bonner via D- DPP. Call. You can swing when you click the T on the trade on Paddy Dow. A little S will appear next to Finlayson. You click on that S, and he will go into your midfield, and you trade Dow directly to Bonner just with one trade. Um, Does the S stand for swing or for sub? <laughs> it definitely stands for sub, but we can call it swing, whatever <laughs> you want. But yeah, that, that way you can uh, get the best of both worlds. You can trade out a Dow or a Hunter Clark for a Riley Bonner, um, which I'd recommend. JB, another question we've got, what would you prioritize getting the best cash cows this week and fixing your rookies 
or fixing your premium options? Definitely the rookies. So missing a rookie price rise for the first week could mean a difference of, I mean, we're talking about good rookies here, could mean a difference in 60, 70, 80K. If you're just going to make a, a slight correction in your premiums, first of all, giving them another week can't be that bad. Uh, getting another week starter is always going to be better. Um, and worst case scenario, if you lose 30, 40K by not doing that switch, that's only one week's uh, money that you're losing rather than a couple of weeks of the the rookies, so I think it's definitely smarter to get in your rookie selections. I think that made sense. <laughs> it definitely did, and I'll, I'll throw you one last curveball question <clears throat> before we finish. Dangerfield, if you don't have him, how are you, are you changing your mind on when you should should you after this one thirty? Do you want to jump on him right now this week, make a move, or do you want to um, wait until another game before the price rise, or do you want to just like wait, you know, six or so weeks and and then get him hopefully. Um, at a cheaper price. I mean, again, it depends on what your actual contingency plan for him was. So if you didn't start him, didn't have any plans to start him, but have Matt Crouch, then, I mean, you've got fair reason right there just to get him in. But if you didn't start him, didn't have a contingency plan and are just winging it, I wouldn't trade one of my premiums that are doing well for him. I don't think he's that important. But then again, if you did do a contingency plan, put a bunch of money in the bank and have someone like, I'm not sure who people would have there, maybe Coniglio, then again, that's something that I'd just keep getting as much weeks of information as possible while one goes down and the other might go up, or one goes up and the other might go down. So I suppose it's very player specific. If you're in that situation, I'd probably advise contacting us and and just showing us exactly what you're faced with. Um, so that's, uh, you can get us on our Gmail pistol if you want to shout yeah, out. Yeah, it's D-R-S-C-P-O-D, so Pod at gmail.com. Um, you can inbox us your questions. We will get to them. Uh, the Facebook inbox does get flooded, so sometimes we miss a lot of them. Um, it obviously has been incredibly, incredibly busy um, over the first two rounds, but it will slow down now, so we'll be able to get to all your questions. And uh, JB, just want to do a shout-out for the Cancer Council. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, um, we will provide a link on, on Facebook in the comments or if you listen on SoundCloud, um, it will be in the description. We have a um, page um, where we raise money for the Cancer Council. Um, if you enjoyed it, obviously it'd be awesome if you donate. I just want to give a big shout out um, to Charlie T. Thank you so much for your donation. Really appreciate it. Uh, to Henry Gibbs, sorry about the Cruiser Donut, um, but I do appreciate you donating for donuts. It's uh, the first one of the year, JB. So that's uh, when, whenever you get a donut, you pledge a certain amount, be it you know $2, $5, $10, $20, whatever you want. Um, every time you get a donut, you donate. Unfortunately, Henry Gibbs is the first victim of the year, um, has donated for the Cruiser Donut. Um, hopefully, there's no more for you for the rest of the year. And to James Sullivan with a whopping donation, uh, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. And good luck for your cash league. Hopefully, you can absolutely dominate. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again to everybody for supporting us. I believe we now now have raised over thirty five hundred dollars um, in the last two years uh, for the Cancer Council, which is incredible, JB. Um, and just I think to wrap things up, if you have any uh, questions, you can find uh, us on all on Twitter. You can find uh, JB at at JB underscore drsc you can find myself at pistol underscore drsc and you can find chizo at chizo underscore drsc um i think that wraps up jb 
Yeah, and definitely leave a comment on the Facebook post or a or and a review on iTunes, and we'll get to those as well. So we do appreciate any bit of feedback that we get given, whether it be constructive criticism or just advising that you like me more than any of the other podcasts. <laughs> Everything's great. So thank you very much for joining us, community, and we'll catch you later in the week.